the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, We are ready to get through. We're coming down. We're winding down to another at the end of another year of the Bible Live, mm-hmm. this is our 22nd year to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we're coming down to it. Tonight we'll uh, finish the little books at the end of the New Testament, and next week we'll begin the little books at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, they're not all little books, but uh, the minor prophets are called. And then we'll finish up the reading of the Bible for this year on, uh, I guess, Halloween weekend or Halloween. We read uh, the book of Revelation. Revelation. That sounds up. appropriate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's easy to remember. Yeah, it's too. good. It's, it's good. <laughs> Revelation and Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then we start again. Number, year number 23, our 23rd t- book, time through the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Stacy, you just barely been alive that long now. Oh, right, yes. What were you doing in 2001? <laughs> what were you when we yes. started reading through the Bible. What what time of, did you start reading in November. In, in November in 2001? I was at Trinity. I had, uh, I was, can, that summer in August, Mom and I had visited King's College in New York. I remember that. And I was going to transfer. Uh, and then, of course, September 9-11 happened in 2001, and so that got paused, and I was one more year at Trinity, and then I ended up transferring in yeah. 2002. But um, So that's where I was. I was Remember a student at Trinity University. The three of you, uh, Scott, Sean, Stacy, I threw mm-hmm. you, y'all went with us again. I think that summer you went with us. To uh, Colorado yes. for the conference of all the U.S. Yes. Uh, Campus Crusade mm-hmm. staff. Yes. And that's where I got the vision and the idea 
of reading through the Bible. Yes. Uh, it would, I think, it would kind of be kind of, of all three of you saying to me, mm-hmm. uh, because remember Ministry. our initial mm-hmm. vision was to read uh, John Bunyan, to the read classics. C.S. Lewis, the, the classics, mm-hmm. Narnia. the great Christian classic l- literature, to read that. And I pitched that idea to KSLR, uh-huh. and they said, no, no, we like it. It's a good idea, but it, it's, it's a little not too a, broad. A it, little, mm-hmm. it, it, think about it. Give us another idea. And that's when it kind of dawned on me one time. Well, what if I were to read the Bible on the air? <laughs> From which all great classics yeah, derive yeah, there. themselves. <laughs> yes. And right away, they, they liked the idea. Uh, the idea of an American Indian reading the yeah. Bible to Mer- to America, <laughs> it really captured their imagination. They said, yeah, let's go for it. Let's mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> so that uh, November, we started mm-hmm. the first time through the Bible. Yeah. Wow. I just barely stayed ahead of the broadcast in, in terms of yeah. uh, recording the Bible, recording the readings. Yeah. And what was was fun, too, I don't know, John, I don't know if you know this, but my brother, Sean, shout out to Sean. Hi, Sean. (laughs) But he was running the board. Uh, Not quite. He was doing overnight back in that day. They Mm -hmm. had an overnight in person. And then I took over running the board. Uh, I can't remember if it was that summer or if it was two summers before that. But it was um, not nearly, I don't think, as involved as it is for you. We just you know hit buttons but it, it, was, it was it was a lot of fun well, yeah, i still I knew, I knew the both of y'all worked you knew worked that, here. that was yeah. the timing of it i guess yeah, but, yeah. so well, here we are we finishing are. up our 22nd year and getting ready to start with genesis 1 1 mm-hmm. once more in the beginning <laughs> god created the world so we'll get to that in a few weeks Right now, we finished up this last week reading the the book of Daniel and the, uh, the Old Testament. We read chapter 9 through 12, I think it was. And then we started with uh, the small books after Hebrew, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. And we'll... Talk about those this evening, but let's finish up a little bit tonight. Our consideration of Daniel. Yes, he is a remarkable, uh, without doubt, uh, one of the most remarkable individuals of the biblical narrative. Daniel, man, mm-hmm. he he leaves me in awe. I'm just. I'm just sometimes overwhelmed by uh, the power of his life experience yeah. being taken out of its country. Mm-hmm. He was made so he could not have any children. Mm-hmm. He was kidnapped over the, and he rose to the top by God's enabling. Mm-hmm. He rose to a very powerful position in the uh, Babylonian, the Medo-Persian empires. 
man of tremendous influence uh, in the lives of four or five different emperors uh, his entire life. And he would use by God clearly to, uh, he caused a lot of goodwill toward uh, the, his people, the people of Israel, the people of, of Jehovah, the one God. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, contributed, contributed largely to uh, their being allowed to go back to Israel, as it were. Uh, it's just amazing individual. His life experience, his courage, his devotion to God, and the way, particularly, uh, the visions that Daniel had, he um, he's unequaled among God's people. Now, Visions and and and, and uh, prophecies, predictions are they were matter of course for God people, and they told hundreds of visions and hundreds of predictions of individuals, of families, of nations, of battles, and so on. But Daniel. Uh, he stands alone. He mm-hmm. predicted the next five great empires of the world right. that were, t- were coming right up to the time of Messiah, the, an- the anointed one, mm-hmm. as we see in chapter 9. Uh, Daniel's predictions were astounding. He just, in fact, that's one reason that a lot of people. Uh, dismiss Daniel. They try to say that uh, it was written much later because nobody could know what's going to happen in the future. This must have been written centuries later, mm-hmm. and yet it wasn't. The fact still stands. And we can't eliminate passages of Scripture just because they contain the supernatural. If we have a bias against the supernatural, then we can actually dismiss much of the Bible. But uh, we can't dismiss, we have to have grounds to dismiss it, that it couldn't be true, it can't be true. And But the point is that these predictions of Daniel did come true. And I'm thinking particular, particularly of chapter 9, a period of 70 sets of seven had been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to the sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring in everlasting righteousness in other words, God's kingdom. And Daniel, there at the last of chapter 9, uh, lays out this prophecy of 70 weeks, uh, prophecy of weeks. And many people who have taken that apart and did, okay, let's take that vision. What did 70 weeks of seven? And they take them to be years. And they figured out the years. 
And once they make the adjustments between the Hebrew calendar and the modern calendar, Mm -hmm. that prediction leads right up to the life of Jesus Christ, the the anointed one, as Daniel calls him, the son of man. And that that prediction alone is astounding. Mm -hmm. It leads right up to, really, I've read these these, uh, calculations that people have made, and sometimes it winds up on the very day, the day of the last week of Jesus' life, when he made his mm-hmm. triumphal entry into Jerusalem and, and presents himself as a Messiah to his people uh, for the last time. Uh, so it's an amazing prediction, amazing prophecy, the amazing individual. Yeah. Uh, he saw things that, well, things that even ultimately that made him faint. He, he saw the power of the things God was revealing to him that was so overwhelming. Then what chapter is the, uh, chapter 10, chapter I think, 10. was mm-hmm. it, it caused him to, to faint. Mm-hmm. He just he was overwhelmed mm-hmm. with what he, deathly God pale. was showing him. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, well, yeah, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. So overwhelming. It must have been to see all of this mm-hmm. and to see God's, God's plan being carried out uh, with uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Keep reading this. Stacey. Oh, it's such a sweet, yes, this is uh, chapter 10 and then verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And then again, Mm -hmm. Daniel breaks down, uh, and he's so overwhelmed with the vision. Uh, And the man touched me again, verse 18. Uh, I felt my strength returning. And I just love these words. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged and strong. Well, I just, (laughs) you know, when we get down and we're afraid and we're lonely and uh, we don't see any hope, just to know you are very precious to the Lord. You, I Mm-hmm. The Lord loves you. Wow. Mm-hmm. The king of the universe loves me. Mm-hmm. Those words bring hope. They bring strength to us every time. And if if uh, 
even our listeners tonight, mm-hmm. if, you, if you could just imagine how much God loved you, it, it, it would be so liberating to you from whatever fear, whatever might be holding you, just to know the degree to which God loves you. That's important. One, I, I suppose the most important truth we could hear from God's Word, mm-hmm. He loves you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I think, the, too, yeah. The book of Daniel. Yes, there's so many times. When, the thing I, I think of with Daniel is courage, one thing. But I, like you said, he just... He 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 ministers through. Uh, it's five different kings, right? And I mean, he mm-hmm. is captured. He's castrated. He's uh, thrown into a fire, into a <laughs> into a lion's den, and he he just keeps on. There's so many times in his life that he must have thought, "This is it. I'm die. I'm going to die today." Mm-hmm. And he just keeps not dying. <laughs> I don't mean that in it, but it it forces a person, I would think, to you you to live one day, one circumstance, just one and one moment at a time. And Daniel's just faithful, one moment at a time. And it reminds me, I was listening to it's a Kathy Keller. She was actually talking about marriage, and she was referencing some article that she had read, and it was called. Uh, it was about grace, and it was about just grace, day to day grace. He's not going to give you grace for your imagination of the worst case scenario in the future. He's going to that worst case might happen, but when it happens, you find you, you are you're you're strong, you're faithful. You look to him, you abide in him, and you will find that guy. he's not going. To, you know, he's not. And that reminds me of of Daniel. Just he was trained to just live every moment as if it might be his last, and just be faithful in that moment. And he just keeps on. God just keeps on. Giving him another day, another day, another day. And it's just one day at a time. And I think that's ironic because, of course, his predictions, so many of them are about the future. Yeah. And uh, But he himself was in, was doing exactly just what God planned and had for him in that moment. And um, another yeah. thing about that 70 sets of seven, I was going to read, maybe just it, um, we read from the New Living Translation Study Bible and has a great, a uh, lot of, um, just a lot of great commentary and a lot of, and mm-hmm. so they lay out the different interpretations. And so they have one, two, three, three well, sorry, two interpretations, but the second one has two options. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what I mean. But it's interesting. You can kind of read through what different people have. And I think I probably would go with what yours, mm-hmm. that 70 sets um, goes to when Jesus ascends. And But um, at the very, the commentary at the end says, although difficult to assign to a definite period of history, the 70 sets of seven are significant. They demonstrate God's sovereignty 
sovereignty over history and emphasize his ability to bring his plans for his people to completion. The number 70, 7 times 10, represents completeness. God's 70 years of exile for his people were enough to chastise them. Those years are more than matched by the time period to reclaim them. Uh, but I I loved that note. Just uh, and if we we don't know if we might not know exactly what those seventy sets of seven anyways, we can rest assured in his sovereign and his ability to complete his plan. He will see it through. He, We've seen he, that over yes, and over again. Yes, and he's doing it. Now and we're yes. still a part of his completing what he has, and I and think so that's we should exciting. Have that in, we should have that in our minds, in our hearts, and our prayers yeah. as we look at our world today. Yeah. What's happening right. in Ukraine and, right. and, and Russia, mm-hmm. China, North Korea, mm-hmm. uh, right now uh, in Israel with right. the conflict mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. in the Middle East with. Hezbollah and Hamas, mm-hmm. etc. We can know even now God is in control. He had a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can pray. And we can pray for both sides. We pray for Israel. We mm-hmm. can pray for uh, the the Palestinian people, those who are suffering on both sides. Yes. There are believers in both camps. Yeah. There are people who love God and want God. In both camps, it's complicated. Well, I don't know about, yeah, both, they're in, in all, in both uh, by camps, I think you mean there's believers in Israel and there are believers in, in Gaza. In Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are who not. Knows, mm-hmm. I don't even, I, it's hard to imagine a believer being among the terrorists. Right. Uh, right. Hamas, Hezbollah, we don't know, but but still, there are mm-hmm. God people we need to Pray yeah. there would be peace, and that uh, the God would use this moment mm-hmm. to bring men and women to Himself. Right, right. Uh, they will be my both, people, and I will be their no God. No matter where they're from, yes. to break hearts and bring them right. to Himself. One thing that I thought was so powerful is if Israel, if Christians in Israel are able to do that for those who are ter- then. All the more we in America should be able to. And yeah, I wanted to. Yes, to me this. this is a, a ministry in Israel that's. Um, he, you know, loves they love Jesus, love the Lord, um, Christians, and the. Uh, I mean, it's I am one for Israel, um, and so I mean he's Israeli, and so of course his country. I mean it's just devastating and sad, but he, their post and he writes. So this is just a ministry, and so they've posted several kind of updates on what's happening, and one of their latest was pray for the people in Gaza. And it says, keep praying with us, friends. And he says, there are, and this is the post, there are a good number of secret believers in Gaza and many who have seen our videos online in Arabic. Pray for God to care for all his sheep there, protecting them from all evil, danger, and harm. Pray for terrorists to encounter Jesus. 
for many dreams and visions during this time. Because in many ways, that's the only way that they'll be able to hear is if God just comes to them in a dream and in a vision. And you hear testimony of that many times in Muslim countries. Um, And then their next post says, even though the majority support Hamas, a large number living in Gaza do not. There are no bomb shelters, but rather militants use civilians as human shields. Pray for God's help as Israel tries to accomplish its military goals while sparing the lives of civilians as much as possible. I thought that was just very well said and something I do pray for, you know, in there. But, well, that's our music. (laughs) Wisdom in that. Yes, that's and that supernatural. Right. What, what grace. Caring about yes. even our enemy. Right. Praying for our enemy. Right. Yes. Yes. And we do pray for God's peace in that corner of the world and for the harvest. It will be um, blessed and encouraged in spite of this or maybe even because of this. God would use it to bring many, many dreams. Protect life. Well, you're listening to The Bible Live. We just wrapped up the book of Daniel. We'll go into James and then First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John, Jude, and we'll stop there. Not quite Revelation. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Well, we are back, and we're going to start now our consideration of the book of James, which is indeed a very interesting book with a lot to it. Now, there are four men mentioned in the New Testament writings uh, who share the name James, 
and they could be prominent enough, each of them, to have written uh, this letter. The first was the apostle named James, but he was martyred too early to have written this letter, uh, to have been the author. Uh, Acts 12, 1 and 2 records his death. Uh, the other apostle named James, the, the two apostles named James, the other one the, called the son of Alphaeus, and James, a father of the apostle Judas, not Judas Iscariot, were they were probably not widely known enough to be ad adequately identified as James, a slave of God. Um, so that leads one more, James, the Lord's brother, uh, that we read about in Galatians 1.19. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, who was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. See, uh, two of Jesus, there was a time when his uh, family, his earthly family, his brothers and sisters, did not believe in him. Well, it's it not actually, some people say that they did not believe in him. There's a patch of when they said that he's mad. Right. And, so, and we're not uh, sure. Some people right. speculate that they, that didn't mean they did not believe in their half-brother. They did believe in Jesus, but they were trying to protect him mm -hmm. from the Roman uh, mm -hmm. government by saying, oh, he, he's out of his mind. Right. He's crazy. He, right. Don't put him in prison. Uh, it's, and that's definitely a possibility. But uh, it seems that there was a time when they did not believe in Jesus. Um, but then uh, finally, James and Jude that we'll mm -hmm. read about tonight as well. Both of them were half-brothers of Jesus because uh, uh, Joseph was not Jesus' father, uh, actually. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, God the right. Father, was. Uh, so that's why they had different fathers. I think that's yeah. kind of... What? I think it's kind of almost humorous. It's so practical, yeah. kind of, in a way. They had different dads. They had yeah. different... The and yet, though... God's <laughs> half-brother. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, anyway, that's what we have. Uh, probably this is James, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And because also it comes that he talked to the people, uh, for they were scattered... Uh, to the 12 tribes, Jewish people, uh, be Jewish believers scattered around uh, the Roman Empire. And, of course, that's what happened. After Stephen's death, the Christians were scattered, persecution picked up, and they were scattered across the empire. And that would be uh, why James addresses them as uh, being scattered throughout the Roman world. Uh, the date of the writing is very early. This may have been in the late 30s. Remember, Jesus was 
crucified around the early 30s, 3033. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that would that would put this very early letter right. uh, from James uh, very interestingly. Uh, many people still alive who had witnessed the life of Jesus and, and had witnessed his crucifixion and knew of his resurrection. Um, so that I think tells us who the author was, more or less the date, the late 30s or 80, 40, early 40s, making it one of the earliest of the disciples. Now, James is writing his letter from Jerusalem where he, he was serving <clears throat> as one of the church's leaders uh, in writing to Christians, uh, Jewish Christians who had been dispersed throughout Israel, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. So anything to add to that, Su uh, Suzanne? <laughs> I call you your mother's name, right? Stacey, <laughs> yes. what would you, in general, about James, right. what would you say? Well, I thought it was an it's. Um, I thought this is an interesting comment. It says, this is one of the most Jewish letters yeah. in the New Testament. And what that means by that is that he he speaks very in in terms and uses references. And all, four all four names for God yes. are used in this book. Yeah. Uh -huh. He refers to the law of Moses repeatedly. He cites the Shema, um, he, the names of God as the Lord of Heaven's armies, which is a common Old Testament title for God. Uh, um, uses Old Testament wisdom literature. He references... Israel's heroes, so he references Abraham, Rahab, Job, Elijah. Um, he doesn't kind of re redefine a lot of Juda Judaism uh, identity markers. I mean, he doesn't try to you know, translate it into Christian. Mm -hmm. He just uses. So I, um, maybe that's another reason that they are able to, the early writings of it, maybe at this time there hadn't really been a shift in terms of terms, terminology. Mm -hmm. So he's writing very Jewish to Jewish, um, which I think is, I think is neat. It's, it's kind of refreshing, very Jesus and very, he, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus is the Messiah, very steadfast in that faithfulness. Um, but with a Old Testament death, you know, addiction uh, with an Old Testament terms. And I love, I, I think that's yeah. so beautiful. It's just a, it's a, it's a great book to, to read. Jesus is Jewish. Yeah. Just and, and it's a powerful book uh, overall, and this will survive. This will surprise some people. It's a book uh, about faith. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that that James opposed uh, Paul in that sense. Paul was a champion of faith that uh, Abraham uh, would justified by his faith in God and so on. And uh, Abraham, uh, and Paul's uh, championing that we come to God 
we become part of God's people, we receive salvation by faith, and that James, for some reason, had been thought to be more of a work right. person. Yes. But that's not true. Uh, his book shows us that faith produces wisdom, faith produces godliness, active godliness, faith produces dependence upon God, Faith produces patience, and faith produces healing mm-hmm. in the last chapter of James. So, right. no, he's a, he's a champion of faith, and yet he wants it to be genuine right. faith. And right. that comes to this, the famous passage. Well, the first passage off the bat, I think we ought to say, is talking about how that when troubles come our way, and they knew about trouble. They were living mm-hmm. under persecution, difficulty in every sense. He said, when troubles come your way, consider, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. amazing. It right. surprises you with the end that sentence with joy. But mm-hmm. that when your faith is tested, your your endurance had the chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So, uh, the, right off the bat, he enters in being pro-faith uh, in our God, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know I was going to mention something else, but it's skip my mind, I guess, but uh, James is very much championing faith. Well, that and that fa- the oh. faith produces, uh, you're going to, the famous passage. Yes, um, go ahead. Well, <laughs> that famous, faith produces, what is, let's see, where, um, well, yes. Faith, faith without good deeds, without work. Is dead faith. Chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 in that range. Okay. Right? Yes. Although, I, is that the one that I was, anyway, well, yes. Um, it also reminds me, I mean, not that we are going to segue just yet to First Peter, but uh, what are the, what is the, so James and Peter, they would have known, of course, each other. Um, but Peter would have probably been quite a bit older than James. And uh, were this, so James beat him to the punch probably in terms of a book. (laughs) And because I don't think Peter, Peter's letters were written, well, not a book, but I mean letters. Uh, Peter's letters are written quite a bit late, probably 30 years later at least. Uh, Is that right? Around sixty with Nero, and so, but it does. It's it's interesting how so many of these uh, of the of James Peter this time period though is that steadfastness, the encouragement to to be faithful and to uh, have not, and that and that is really amazing to to have joy in their suffering. Um, and I think they must have, I mean, they, they, I think one reason they must have been able to say this is because they lived through the crucifixion. I mean, it doesn't get more 
painful and perhaps for James most of all. I mean, it was his mm-hmm. brother mm-hmm. that was crucified. How sad and devastated and heartbreaking, how horrible it must have been to be with his mother, Mary, you know, and uh, her son being killed. And and yet then the resurrection, <laughs> but they also mm. saw Jesus rise from the dead and conquer that incredible enemy mm-hmm. that's death and sin and I and all that so I, I think the way that they m- must have been able to so genuinely so fervently so joyfully so uni- in unison I mean James and Peter and John all of them to be able to say suffering is is you you if it's in Christ yep. if it's with him there is a joy you can know you can have absolute assurance that it there's a joy and it's producing i always think of that john piper quote an eternal weight of glory um maybe that's kind of a cs lewis take too well really it's also a paul isn't it yeah. <laughs> that weight of glory but uh i that that just keeps coming to me it's so interesting how i think that's the way that they were able to do it though is that they were they lived the cross and the resurrection and that's really the only way i think we're able to do it too is when we keep our eye on what he suffered for us and remember that he conquered it he rose the 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 completion (laughs) the 70 times 7 is that he rose (laughs) he lives he lives that is you just made me uh Rediscover again uh, the 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 place of suffering in our life experience. We we wrestle with that greatly in America because we 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 think we have the good life. America mm-hmm. has a good life. We. We're a great country, we're a great wealth, mm-hmm. prosperity, peace mm-hmm. in our land. And, and we think that anything that makes us uncomfortable or painful mm-hmm. is terrible. And we got, and yet it is such a strange thing. The Bible, particularly uh, beginning with Jesus himself, the Messiah, but not really back in the Old Testament as well. It seems like suffering is part and partial. It is it is a necessary ingredient mm-hmm. for the people of God. Somehow it seems like increasingly I'm increasingly I, I see it Jane to Peter and mm-hmm. Paul, you know. Remember what the first words uh, when Pete, when Paul was converted, Jesus told the man he sent a man out to baptize him mm-hmm. and to touch his eye and to heal his blindness. But he said, "Why? Because I've chosen him, and he must experience great suffering for my name's sake." Mm. So Paul, even from from the get go, from his initial calling to follow Jesus, 
uh, he was promised only one thing, suffering. <laughs> and all of these men and women, James, Peter, and all, they talk about suffering. It, it's a, And to be joyful when we are counted uh, pretty to, to suffer for Jesus. We are completing, as Paul said, the sufferings of Christ are being completed in us. Those are phrases, phrases I don't even, I can't even say I really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the place of suffering and saying thanks mm-hmm. for the suffering because of what it means that God is refining my faith. Mm-hmm. It makes a little, little sense to me in a cockeyed way, <laughs> but... Well, I I'm think not sure I'm there yet. Yeah, well, I think there's one, that kind of Daniel idea of yeah, moment yeah. by moment. You know, he's not, in terms of that suffering, um, I mean, there's, it, it will come. And maybe you don't even realize that you've suffered because of such grace in that moment. Um, John, maybe his mic down, but um, and the uh, the other is that uh, this was kind of a in terms of suffering and um, and producing us. I thought this was interesting. I was uh, uh, <laughs> well, not to equate suffering with marriage, <laughs> but in the way it is one of the most intense relationships and it has the most potential for pain. And so maybe just on the, on the big scale of suffering, just because of miscommunication or um, expectations not being met, you know, marriage has a lot of potential for a lot of pain. But in every relationship, really, um, and especially in Christian interactions, uh, I was listening to um, some sermons, and anyway, they they talk about uh, suffering and the way in which within relationships we are refining one another, and that our suffering and that our different, you know, that it can be painful when we're being iron sharpening iron idea or when we're being refined. It can kind of hurt sometimes. Um, And there is a metaphor, though, that was used, and it was the gem, like a a gem, um, what's it called, a a rock tumbler, like a gem, tumbler, G-E-M, that uh, the the analogy was that if you have all, in a tumbler, if you have just the rocks, sometimes those rocks beat up against one another really harshly and they break apart. And that is kind of relationally when it's all truth and no love. But then other times in a tumbler, you can have rocks together and they just sort of bounce off of one another. They don't actually chip away in the right way. They don't polish one another. They just sort of bounce off of each other. And that's kind of often love with no real truth. You're just not. And he says what it takes in all tumblers is you have to have a um, a 
a another element. You have to have like a sand or some sort of something uh-huh. that can get in there and really help it to bounce off, you know, to hit each other but not break each other. And that's how you get a polished, beautiful gemstone. And he says what that what that sand is is grace that's what the element of grace is in our relationships it's truth and love, love and but in truth. a right but in a way grace is what is a, enables it to not destroy you um but also not do nothing to not have you know to to be just pointless but it uh in in, in the context of all that it pain, I guess. <laughs> right. In other words, grace is what makes that painful process bearable. And uh, maybe that's where, in, and really in terms of grace, I mean, that is Jesus, Jesus and his death. That's the ultimate show of grace. Death is painful. It's awful. It's horrible. It, it is an but enemy. It is an enemy. But. The way, but he, he, and we will go through it. We will actually experience it to a degree, but he took the sting out. He, he showed us such grace in doing it for us and ahead of us and in a way that we couldn't, that even though we'll go through that suffering, it turned something that was yeah. hideous into something that is, we can now, did endure. Now, get that example of polishing stones from your grandfather? Because <laughs> oh, remember, y'all yes, polished stones to when you were. Yes. Uh, he had a He had a rock tumbler, shop and he, he had a tumbler. No, I didn't, but I understood the analogy because of Pop. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't from him, but yes, it resonated because of that, I guess. Well, what in the book of James, what makes the book uh, stand out? Uh, just in terms of passages of scripture, uh, is faith. Uh, he, he said that uh, the gospel is like a mirror. If we uh, we look into God's word, the God's word is like a mirror, and we look into it and we see something to improve our appearance, and we don't do anything about it. It's like looking into a mirror, mm. uh, James says. Uh, what else? Uh, true faith produces works. A true faith will definitely produce works. And if we don't have any, then our faith is dead faith. Talks about the power of the tongue, uh, like a horse's bridle or a ship's uh, rudder. Mm-hmm. Um, what else might be? Well, like when he said, uh, when our prayers are not answered, uh, there are two reasons. One is we don't ask God. And secondly, is when we do, we ask amiss mm-hmm. with the wrong motive behind it. So it's a wonderful thing to learn in the book of James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's our music, this great music. We'll be back. We will be back with uh, First Peter, I believe. First John, Second John, Third John, and Jude. So stay with us.
sure by now God, you would have reached down And wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining As the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through Another way of uh, expressing what we've been talking about is that there is power, there is comfort uh, in suffering. Even uh, as it is, there are great good that comes from it uh, in the building up of our faith, make it, making us stronger in the Lord. And the, the refining of our character. Uh, there is great good in suffering. And uh, I, we, we just got to come to grips with that. We've got to come. There's two things uh, that human beings do not like. One is faith. We don't. We don't. <laughs> automatically want to live by faith. No. We we want to know all the answers. We want to know why it happened and, and uh, uh, we just have it all figured out. Yes. And we I don't, think it, we don't yes. like the unknown. Control. We're afraid of it. I think it comes down to in that case it's a, it's a it's tough to not have, feel in control. And control, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have and so, therefore, we don't like Not faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we as Christians, we have got to learn uh, to walk by faith. We've got to learn to be comfortable, mm-hmm. trusting God mm-hmm. uh, it, when it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. when there's no other, uh, there's, there's no alternative. We we, we're uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we get where we are comfortable living uh, abandoned to mm-hmm. God by mm-hmm. faith in Him, in Him alone, what He's going to do and what he's gonna, what miracle, what God is going to do with a certain situation mm-hmm. and living by faith, that we've got to learn. And the second is, we don't definitely don't like pain or suffering, mm-hmm. and we want to avoid it at all costs. But here are these authors of the of the book of, mm-hmm. in that first century, 
they all are universally telling us Mm -hmm. to be grateful when we are privileged to to suffer for God, Mm -hmm. for Christ's name's sake, because it completes our faith, Mm -hmm. grows our faith stronger, and it glorifies and honors yes. God. It reminds me of yeah. our character. Mm-hmm. Some of those reasons that you gave when we were in Job, you know, yes. in terms of suffering and, uh, um, you know, many times in the uh, apologetics world, that's one of the uh, the pushbacks when it comes to becoming a Christian. Many, many people are uncomfortable because they say, well, how could a good and loving God allow such suffering in the world? And so this is, that's, we had those reasons that, you know, suffering is not, of course, it's sad and it's horrible. In fact, it reminds me, that song reminded me of that um, verse in Job, the, though he slay me, I will hope in him, or though he slay mm-hmm. me, yet will I trust him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face, mm-hmm. is the second part of that, which I thought, well, um, yes, I will trust him, though he slay me, though there's suffering, I will trust him, but I will go to him with my questions and with my grief, and, the, and I think that's appropriate. That's the right response. I will trust him, though he, though there's suffering, though there's pain, um, but I, I will still talk with him about those. I will still question and ask. And I think that, that in fact, James, that reminded me too, a little bit of what James is, um, you know, there are two reasons we, we uh, don't have what we want. One is that we don't ask for it. And the other is that our prayers are consumed with just, you know, our pleasure, our comfort, or we're asking with wrong motives. And uh, I think that that's not the 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 heart and the motive is I trust you, God. I though you, though it's suffering, I'm not going to ask for pleasure, for comfort. I'm going to ask for your will, not my will, be done. Um, but I'd like to talk about it. <laughs> what does yeah? But I'd like to talk I'd like to, you to discuss this. What does that mean when we are praying with God's will in mind? And if you mm-hmm. look. Uh, one of the things I like to look at, uh, for example, in all the scriptures, is it's so interesting to uh, notice the prayers of God's people. Uh, Daniel, for example, mm-hmm. we just finished the book of Daniel. His prayers are tremendous. But notice Daniel prays with the perspective of, Oh, Lord, help us. It's hard down here in Babylon. Mm-hmm. We're having a hard time and so on. Now, he may have at some point prayed that, but more than what we see here in the Scriptures, he prays according to God's purpose. Mm-hmm. He He's seeking and mm-hmm. thinking about his life and the occurrences of his life from the perspective of God's revealed will. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly the harvest, God's people and mm-hmm. God calling out mm-hmm. a people for himself. That eternal perspective. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and we find him praying 
from God's perspective mm-hmm. in that sense. We saw that in Abraham. We saw that in Moses. Mm-hmm. We see it in the, the, the Psalm of David mm-hmm. many times. Um, and, and that would be, I think, an admonition for us as well as we pray about this the world at this mm-hmm. time. Uh, not just simply pray in terms of suffering happening, mm-hmm. although that's, we clearly can pray for that, but also pray for what God to use this time mm-hmm. for uh, productively for his kingdom's sake mm-hmm. to bring more and more people into his eternal family, giving them eternal life and helping them, as Peter says here, twice in the in the new uh, first in the first chapter, he talks about the experience of being born again. Mm-hmm. So we can ask God to bring people to new birth, to new life in this time as well of difficulty and, and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good... And, and to try to not to pray first, be sure to ask God, and don't ask amiss, ask according to His plan yes. At best we can see and understand. Yes. I thought and it was. We'll see answers yes. to our prayers. I've been on a big, well, <laughs> just reading a lot. I mean, marriage, right? Um, I mean, it's just a, a fascinating. I mean, marriage is really interesting. But when it comes to relationships and just interactions, I mean, it doesn't get more kind of vulnerable and intense, um, I think, than, than maybe a marriage. Um, but of course, also, you know, of course, the church is. The bridegroom is is the bride of Christ, and so I think it's also um, just an interesting study. But uh, there was, yeah, there was an example of when it comes to marriage and kind of the oneness that happens and the call to oneness within a marriage, and they become one flesh. And the example of, well, you're right. I mean, if you have a married couple and after 30 years or whatnot, 10 years of marriage, they, uh, they're they different people for sure. But you get to know your spouse so well that in any given situation, if you know one is asked a question, they could either respond kind of how they respond or they could actually almost even respond how they know their spouse would respond because they know them so well. And you maybe even find yourself kind of replying to something or, um, you know, reacting to a situation the way that your spouse would because you've taken on so much of their qualities because you know them so well. Hey, and it was we just talk, the same. Why don't we start – a TV game show <laughs> where the partner is has to answer the question <laughs> the way his spouse is this would. has this been done oh, is, this the, <laughs> is oh, that the good. newlywed game or yeah, is yeah, that something like that yeah, yeah, oh that's right. funny I missed that generate but I'm sure it was fun. but but similarly I mean so we know what that is like yeah. I mean we've seen it either in our parents or we've seen it or we know friendships even that are kind of like that so when it comes to prayer and that idea of praying God's will it's it that's how we do it we know him so well 
and we are so in love with him and we have gotten to know his character and we have walked through things together so much with him that eventually we become like him. We know exactly what he wants and desires and we can pray and react to things with that same kind of oneness. And and that's, I I really believe that's when we start seeing, uh, and some of these people in our city, uh, well, first I want to say, our city is one of the most prayed for (laughs) cities, I think, in the world. I I, I believe that. As someone who's done the National Day of Prayer for how many years? 35 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, What's his name? Max. Max Lucado spoke Uh to our pastors group about two or three weeks ago. The luncheon that KSLR hosted. Mm -hmm. And he talked about that fact Mm -hmm. that this city is one of the most prayed for cities mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. and we need to thank that huge, not huge, huge, very large uh, mm-hmm. group of prayer warriors. Mm-hmm. There, there are prayer warriors in San Antonio who lift up every neighborhood, mm-hmm. every street, every corner of our city. Uh, they lift up our economy. They lift up our children in school. They lift up the crime and the criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are praying for it, and it really makes a difference yeah. in our city. Uh, and we need to thank God for them mm-hmm. praying. I wanted to mention something, Stacey, that um, oh, that's, are we, okay. also from the book of Peter okay. is that in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, Peter talked about the angels are curious about God's salvation. Yeah, Even they look upon the wonder of salvation and they mm. wonder about it. I, I have a theory about it. Now, here we go with <laughs> okay. one of the dollars. We do still need First John, Second John, Third John, and Jude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go fast. <laughs> Quick theory. Is that... Obviously, the angels had free will as well. They were not like the animals, just they they were not created to Mm -hmm. instinctively uh, follow God and honor God. Mm -hmm. They they obviously had the ability to rebel, which Mm -hmm. Satan did, Mm -hmm. and a third of the angels that fell with him. And so... However, we don't see that angels had the opportunity to repent. Uh, And it kind of makes sense uh, because they didn't sin because they were confused. They didn't sin because uh, they they didn't know. And, oh, yeah, they, yeah. they, they knew all about God. They had seen God face to face totally experience, experiencing the true and living God. Mm-hmm. And still, even then, their pride took control and they rebelled against God. Mm-hmm. So there is no repentance, mm-hmm. uh, no, uh, well, in first place, there's no sacrifice on their part, but that because there's no repentance, they knowingly, without 
deception without partial understanding they knowingly rebelled mm -hmm. and so it, it what peter is saying here is they are fascinated even the angels are fascinated by this concept of forgiveness mm -hmm. grace okay. that human beings have to, we're lost but now we're found we're alive again in christ okay. and that puzzles them i think i i Maybe have a little <laughs> point on that. Uh -huh. A point to why right. the angels are right. mystified. They're kind of amazed at this thing called grace, forgiveness, yeah. mercy, and uh, well, and I love those. maybe behind the passage. Yes, yes, and I love that uh, that insight into that spiritual war and warfare mm -hmm. in Daniel. I yeah. mean, that's, I think, to oh, me, yeah. one of the most, I mean, here's Michael. Sorry, I was running late because I was fighting the Prince of Persia. I yeah. mean, it's just such a, but uh, you get the sense that, and then Gabriel appearing to Mary. Mm -hmm. Any time that the angels interact, that you see interactions with the angels, I just love that you get the sense that they're rooting for us. You know, they're, they're or at least, you you know, yeah. Gabriel and Michael and uh, the archangels and God's messengers, um, they're, they're rooting for us. Yeah. They're and they're involved. They're fighting on our behalf. They're rooting for us. They're cheering for us. The, and, and I think, yes, what Jesus did must have absolutely fascinated them, that he became yeah. a human. Oh boy! I mean, can you, yes, yeah. That is uh, intriguing to me too. I love. I I do think that that's a neat. Okay, now let's get through with Peter. Okay, so uh, we we'll finish it up here. Okay. Uh, what do you say? Um, anything more in Peter? There is that wonderful passage where we're told why uh, Jesus is holding back from coming. From yes, returning, yeah, uh, in, in uh, Second Peter three nine, uh, what three nine, mm -hmm. that he is not slack concerning his promise to return, but he is holding back, not wanting that any should perish, but all to come to repentance. So it's the harvest. The harvest is holding Jesus back mm -hmm. as long as there are more people that will come into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the high priority. Okay. We need to re remember that as well in our prayers. Mm -hmm. The harvest is pretty far up there in terms of God's priorities. Mm -hmm. So we can pray from that perspective. And expect answers as well. Mm -hmm. Well, shall we jump into First John quickly? Yes, I, we yes, don't I have like much it. time. Um, I think the most outstanding passage of John is the pro promise First John one nine: If we confess our sins right. to God, now this is being written to Christians, and the word confess means. Homo legales okay. in 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 uh, Greek. Right. Homo legales means literally mm. to say the same thing, to say the thing, okay. same thing that God says about our sin. It, it's reality. It's disastrous, harmful result. 
its remedy in the cross of Jesus and its removal mm. by the empty tomb by, by the Holy Spirit. That's great. That confession of sin right. is our way of participating in the transformation process right. of our lives mm -hmm. because God is, is not just after a people who conform. We just do the right thing and uh, legalistically we right. obey, just make ourselves obey. Mm -hmm. He's about transforming our inner being. Mm -hmm. He's writing his laws on our heart, on our minds. Yeah. And when we confess sin, agree, say the same thing that God is saying about our sin, we are hastening and collaborating with God in that transformation process right. of our lives. Right. And that's, that's important, probably the most important principle, I think, that John brings out. That's great. And so, and that involves, in terms of agreeing with God, uh, that's a helpful, it, agreeing about the reality of sin, how awful, and, and the results of sin, that it's... It's harmful. It's harmful. It steals, kills, and destroys. See, sometimes it's we, death. <laughs> a lot of times we play with sin. Right. Oh, it's, it's not, not that so bad. bad. Everybody, gonna, mm -hmm. everybody does it. Nobody right. knows about it. It doesn't hurt anybody. Right. We say those sort of things. We, mm -hmm. we can't do that. We right. have to realize it's harmful, mm -hmm. destructive to us and others, mm -hmm. and even to our Lord. Mm -hmm. It put him on this cross. Mm -hmm. And we, we begin to really see that and agree with that. Then we'll see ourselves. Do, you won't. You wouldn't uh, pick up a bottle of poison and poison yourself. Right, right. You wouldn't do it. But when you're convinced that sin is poison, mm -hmm. uh, and we had to be come to that point of right. agreeing with God about it, right. and uh, we're we're allowing God change my heart, mm -hmm. Lord, mm -hmm. take that out of my life experience. Right. And, and that's the remedy, truth. agreeing truly, that the remedy that's is the, way the cross. We bring, we're already forgiven, but that's the way we bring that forgiveness that we have in Christ, how we bring it into a real-life experience, a real relationship. Mm -hmm. It's through confession of sin. And then the last of the, right, so, the, so agree with God about the reality, the results, the remedy in the cross, and the removal by the empty tomb, his, the, his conquering of it. Nice. Oh, I like that's, that's nice. what he does. I'm a big the, fan of uh, alliteration. So the four R's, <laughs> the four R's. <laughs> confession. <laughs> yes, I I like that along with the um, what is it? The P, the P's, the um, that what God has done. Saying to uh, justification is that He has given, He has saved us from the punishment. Of sin, and then our sanctification. He, he is saving, saving us from, from the power of sin, and then our glorification will be someday we will be saved even from the very presence of sin. Yeah, like another the, great alliteration. Helpful. They really <laughs> the three are. Piece. There's another okay. truth here that I think is uh, revealed in John. It, it's sort of a contradiction. In First John three nine, okay. we're told that anyone born into God's family does not sin. Now, how about that? Because God's life is in him, 
And then in First John said, if we say we do not sin, we make God a liar. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you got the two seemingly contradictory things. Right, right. And you're talking about sin does not proceed from the new nature of who we are in Christ. It proceeds from the old nature. Well, but it quit, right? That's our music. music. So we will wrap up um, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude next week and go into the books uh, of the the last books of the Old Testament. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.